May I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it's good to be with you here today. Um, we showed up on Wednesday, and uh, we've experienced some wonderful hospitality since then, some really good food, and uh, Chuck and Ann have been so gracious to us, letting us stay with them. Thanks, Chuck and Ann. Um, my wife is also here, just, just before I forget, she's right back there sitting beside Chuck and Ann, so make sure, she doesn't like to be pointed out in crowds, and she doesn't like to be in front of people, so make sure that you make her feel awkward. This morning's text, um, Mark chapter 1 to 13, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of hold myself to the first six verses. In uh, the narrative that we're looking at this morning, Jesus comes to his hometown, his hometown, and he's teaching in the local synagogue. People listen to him teach, and they're astonished by what they hear. And this surfaces questions about his authority. Where does he get this kind of authority? It also surfaces an acknowledgement of the wisdom of his teaching and also the recognition of the demonstrations of power that accompanied his ministry. So they're taking note of him. But unlike some of the other places that Jesus had been, in his hometown they demean him as just a carpenter the son of Mary, the local boy. In the end, they conclude that somehow what is going on in and through Jesus is scandalous. And this results, um, and the result of this is that the kingdom of Jesus is limited in his hometown because of their lack of faith in him. So let, let's just zoom back for one second. Look at the big picture. One of the things that Mark is concerned about in his gospel is the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is the world put right, the overcoming of evil. It's justice for the poor and the vulnerable. Every tear is wiped away. It's suffering coming to an end. It's God's wise rule breaking out into the old world of chaos. Mark is concerned to show that this very kingdom is coming in and through Jesus. The first words that Jesus says in Mark's gospel are, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel or believe this good news that the kingdom is coming. Mark sets up Jesus as the primary kingdom bringer his message is of the coming kingdom. Through a series of narratives and stories, Mark has Jesus confronting and clashing with the religious establishment, driving out the kingdom of darkness, healing the sick, freeing people possessed by demons. These are all ways that Mark is saying, hey friends, the kingdom is coming through Jesus. Keep your eye on Jesus. The idea of the kingdom, as many of us know, was, part, was a deeply fundamental part of the Jewish psyche. It was their fundamental hope. It was what they were looking for, that God's good rule would someday come to the world, that God would be 
its king, and he would do this through his people. So Mark is saying, here it is. It's coming in Jesus. So first thing that Mark does is he tells us, or he's concerned about the kingdom of God, and he says Jesus is the kingdom bringer. The second thing that Mark does is he speaks to us about the identity of Jesus. He's at pains to say some things about the identity of Jesus. He doesn't just set Jesus up as a good man or just a prophet, but rather interestingly, he has Jesus doing things that only Yahweh does. He tells the story about Jesus calming the wind and the waves. You remember that story? Who is the one who controls the wind and the waves if we're looking at this through a Jewish lens? Well, surely it was Yahweh. Do you remember Psalm 69 where it says that the waters are up to my neck and the psalmist cries out to God for rescue? God, the only one who could rescue from this perilous situation. Because it's Yahweh who controls the seas. He's the one who controls the waters. Also remember the story in Mark chapter 5 about Jesus casting out demons from a man called Legion. An army of evil possessed this man. Remember what happens? Jesus casts out the demons and the demons go, go into the pigs. What happens to the pigs? The pigs run down the hill and into the, into the sea and they're drowned. Where else in the scriptures do we hear about an army of evil drown in the sea? Well, of course, this is the narrative about God, Yahweh himself, leading his people out from under slavery, rescuing them. <clears throat> the story just before ours today is about a woman who's unclean and hopeless to be, and she's got a sense of hopelessness about being cured. She's separated from community. She reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. This is bookended by a story about Jesus raising the little girl from the dead. So Jesus has the power over the incurable and over death. He is Yahweh, the one who holds the keys to life and death. So for Mark, Jesus is the one who's bringing God's good kingdom. And Jesus is not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a miracle worker. Jesus is somehow Yahweh in the flesh. Let's zoom back in for a second and look at, at our text today. Jesus finds himself teaching in his hometown synagogue. He's come home to preach at church. What is the message and teaching on the lips of Jesus? Well, almost undoubtedly, it's the message of the kingdom. It's the provocative suggestion that the kingdom is coming in and through him. That their hopes for God's kingdom to come are being fulfilled in and through Jesus. Well, Jesus is received quite well by some groups of people and not so well by others, but definitely his reception in his hometown is less than positive. When he gives this message of the coming kingdom, and possibly his place in the inauguration of it, people scoff 
And more than that, they're offended. And you can imagine the local boy's made good. He's coming home. He's got quite a reputation for himself. You can imagine them saying, how could this Jesus, who grew up in our midst, be the one to bring God's promised kingdom? Our great hope of God's new order is breaking in through Jesus? Come on, you've got to be kidding me. I think not. It's absolutely scandalous thing to suggest. He's only a carpenter. That's Mary's boy. He's ordinary. He's familiar. What you're claiming is a bit out of step with the ordinariness that we've all witnessed. It was scandalous to them that the kingdom seemed to be coming in and through Jesus, a mere carpenter, the son of Mary. They couldn't reconcile the coming of the kingdom with the person of Jesus. It seemed for them maybe that the words were right because he was terribly wise. The miracles were were right, but the package that this all came in was too familiar, too ordinary. They were treating him as common. Nothing extraordinary. Actually, these folks lacked faith. It seems that maybe they were so close to Jesus that they could no longer see him for who he really was. His identity was written in letters too big to read. But if we follow the narrative on, we find that the kingdom not only comes through Jesus, this Jesus they treated as common, but also through downright offensive acts like crucifixion. I mean, the idea of a crucified Messiah was even more ridiculous and more offensive. But this kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, is most definitely, as we all know, an upside-down kingdom. Friends, one of the things that fascinates me about the kingdom of God is the way it came and the way it still comes. The moments of power are often conveyed by very ordinary means, meals together with friends and strangers, the Eucharist, a little bread and a little wine, a kind word to a stranger, moments of meditation on Scripture, short prayers under our breath in the middle of a tense meeting. For about um, three years, I walked the same route around the city center of Liverpool just about every night. And as I walked around the city center of Liverpool, I would pass the same um, rough sleepers and homeless people, uh, people begging, same people every single night I'd pass them. And I oftentimes would stop and have a little conversation with people, get to know them a little bit. Most of the time, nothing extraordinary happened, just a little conversation here and there, nothing spectacular. One uh, evening, Chantel and I were walking around the city center, and one of my friends, his name is Christopher, uh, begged most days on the streets. He started telling us that um, he was a 65-year-old Sri Lankan man, been begging for most of his adult life. 
he uh, told us anyways that his sister had been killed in an accident. And as he told us this, he, he began to weep. And in the middle of this busy street, in the middle of Liverpool, Chantel grabbed him, gave him a hug, and I put my arms around them both. And this 65-year-old man just sort of wept on us. I um, realized afterwards that it, he had probably been there all day, because this was in the evening. He'd probably been there all day and hadn't had a conversation about this thing that had happened to him that was so very traumatic. Nowhere to release it. And standing in the midst of a busy street with all these people passing by, we're standing there hugging this 65-year-old Sri Lankan man as he weeps. And I realized in that little, very ordinary moment, the kingdom was breaking out, a kingdom of extraordinary love and compassion, and I was getting to participate in it. Somehow Jesus was being made manifest for this fella. The kingdom broke out right in the middle of the street. Broke out because of a very ordinary practice of having conversations with people. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't rocket science. You know, I'm continually amazed how God breaks out in the midst of the ordinary, how the kingdom comes in the midst of the ordinary. Think just, to, just for a moment um, about what Jesus gave us to remember Him by. What did He give us? He gave us a meal. A meal. There is nothing more ordinary or common in human experience than eating. The Lord's Supper, the commonest of human experiences in some way, but somehow wrapped up in this ever so common experience is the mystery of the kingdom itself. The mystery of the kingdom, these elements of bread and wine become for us a means of grace. They convey in ways that go beyond what we can even calculate the love of God and the peace that Christ has bought, brought us, the mystery of the universe in a little bread and a little wine. I want to suggest to you today, friends, that it's often in situations that we treat as common and ordinary that the kingdom can and does break out if we're paying attention. Simple conversations with people at work for those with listening ears, people that we pass on the street, a meal with neighbors and friends. Friends, we, or, we overlook the ordinary at our peril. We overlook the ordinary at our peril. The people in this text perceived Jesus as common as ordinary, they lacked faith that the kingdom could come in this way through this person. And it appears to us, it appears to me in the text that the kingdom is in some ways limited by a lack of faith. Could it be that in the week to come that Christ's kingdom could come to you and through you through very ordinary means, things that you might be tempted to overlook or treat as common. Friends, what would it look like for you to be wide awake 
to the working and the moving of the Spirit, to the movement of Jesus through His Spirit in the ordinariness of your everyday life, in your workplace, in your work with your kids, in our families, caring for elderly relatives, walking down the street, the people that we pass every day. What would it look like for the kingdom to come in the ordinariness of our lives? It seems to me that the Spirit uses very ordinary means to bring about the kingdom of God. Amen.